September 8th, 2023, we're in Masechet If you come from the bottom of the Amud up, 13 lines up, the last word on the line is where we'll begin. Ela Shane. If you recall, the Gemara was in the midst of telling this story while talking about the halachot of Tehum and Eruv. Uh, and it mentioned how Rav Hanabar Hanilae uh, visited a place on Yom Tob where uh, he was given or he bought meat which he hung on the bar, the ibrad dasha, the bar at the entrance to the room or to the home, and in turn uh, posed the question to his rabbi, Rav can he take that meat and bring it back home? On the one hand, he had an iruf tehomin. In other words, even though he was at an, a distance from his home, he was able to walk that distance. But the meat, which he now had hanging in someone else's home, would that pose an issue with regards to having the status of the person whose home it was in? And the Gemara said that Rav Huna split his Pesach Halacha. He said, well, it depends. If you hung the meat yourself, well, then it's Kirag Lecha. Then you'd be able to move that meat wherever you're able to. If alternatively, it was hung by someone else, if the butchers whom you bought it from hung the meat on their Ibra de Dasha. In such a circumstance, it's kind of stuck here in the city. And the Gemara debated and tried to understand each of those Piskeh Halacha. First the first one, vis-a-vis the Pesach Halacha of Rav. Then the second one, the Gemara posed three separate questions in which it was clear we can't understand why we would distinguish why if butchers hung, meaning a different person, hung that meat on the door of the home where you're staying, it should pose a problem, and as a result, the Gemara said, we're really dealing with an altogether different issue. It had nothing to do with Tehum and Eruv at all. How so? Says the Gemara, Ela Shane Rav Hanabar Hanilae. Rav Hanabar Hanilae was a different circumstance. De Gavra Rabbahu, he was a great man in wisdom, in piety. Vitarid Bishma'ate. And as a result, his mind was tarud, was not disturbed in the negative sense, but was busy with shma'ate, with learning, and therefore, this was the Pesach Alachav Ravuna. Again, since he's a knowledgeable person. But more than that, since he's a person who's focused on his limud, on his study, as opposed to on what's going on around him per se, Ravuna therefore determined the following. I'at talit, if you yourself took that meat and hung it, itlach simana begave, you have it, yesh, you have a siman, you have a sign begave on that meat. Meaning you have what's called tevi'at ayin. Your eyes can look at that meat since you hung it yourself. We know you had something to do with it just by handling it and hanging it. Even if you're really focused on something else, when your hands get dirty, so to speak, or physically, in this circumstance, by hanging it, you look at that meat and you're familiar with it. We'll have to figure out in a moment. We, we prefaced this yesterday, why that makes a difference. And as a result, you didn't have meaning you can look at that meat and remember that that's the same meat that you hung there. Uh, and therefore, zil shikol, go ahead and take that meat. You're well aware that that meat is yours. However, if they hung the meat for you, meaning the butchers, someone else, the fear Rav Huna had about Rav Hana Bar Hanila is, maschat da'atach velo tishkol. We fear 
I fear, says Rav Huna, that your mind went off it, and therefore you shouldn't be taking it. What's the issue over here? Do you need to be constantly be thinking about meat? Do you have to recognize the meat that you eat? What's the halakha? If you'll take a look together with me in Rashi, in the second wide line of Rashi, it says, V'ta'ama, says Rashi, and the reasoning here, lav mishum tehumin, is not, as we assumed until now, an issue of tehum, of that distance which you can travel in, maybe bring your things in as well. That was not the Pesach Halachav Ravuna. We had his words, we didn't have his reasoning. We knew that Ravuna told Rav Hana, make certain that it's the meat that you hung as opposed to someone else, and we assumed that it had to do entirely with Tehum. Our assumption is that was the context of the issue and the question. That wasn't so, says the Gemara according to Rashi. Ela, Ravuna de ore lehache, Ravuna who instructed him as such, Talmide de Ravu. He first and foremost and primarily is a student of Rav. The Rav Amar Bishhitat Hulin. And Rav in Masechit Hulin and Dafsadihe sets forth the following rabbinic law. Basar kevan shenit alem min ha'ayin asur. Meat, which, so to speak, disappears from the eye, is prohibited. Again, the fear, as we prefaced yesterday, is that if I take my eyes off of this meat, someone may have mixed this meat with a non-kosher one. They grabbed the non-kosher one, excuse me, grabbed mine and replaced it with a non-kosher one. Why would they want that? Maybe they got a better deal, maybe they were hungry and they just wanted to replace it. Whatever the reason might be, that's the issue of basar shenit alem min ha'ayin. That's not to say any meat, you have to constantly have 24-hour surveillance. It is to say that you have to recognize the meat. You need what's called tiviat ayin on that meat. You need to be, if it's packaged, that's already your siman. In this circumstance, va'afilu talui biyahad bebet Israel, even though it's hanging there in a home owned by a Jew, uh, by a Jew, nonetheless, you have a potential issue of basashinit alim and ha'ayin. Therefore, v'rabhana, the main character in this story, rabhana barhanilae, agav tirdad ishma'ate, since he was focused, disturbed, and um, thinking about his learning as opposed to what was going on around him, mashkah or mishakeh shar asakav. He wasn't focused on everything else that was going on. Therefore, said Rav Hunatim, since we have this issue of basar shenit alem in ha'ayin, v'hachekha amale, Rav Huna continues Rashi. And this is what Rav Huna was telling Rav Hana. I'at talit, if you yourself hung it, a matter, a thing. The word mide means a thing. That a person does with his hands. He doesn't forget. He doesn't take his mind off of it. Therefore, even though you're focused and disturbed by your studies, you yourself hung it up, you look at that meat, you know that's your meat. However, Ravuna cautioned him, if alternatively they, the butchers, others hung it for you, your mind was not set on it. And they, it's not their meat, they don't need to be super careful. And you can't even turn to them and say, hey gentlemen, is this the meat that you gave me? And therefore, velatishkol, don't take it. So it means that according to this version of Rashi, and we have just 
four more words where he gives us an altogether different version. According to this version of Rashi, the final lines of our Gemara explain to us that Rav Hunaz Pesach Rav Hana had to do not with the halachot of Tehumin, but rather with the halachot of, again, a concept known as Basar Shenit Alem in Ha'ayim. He distinguished between if he did it himself or others based on whether he'd be able to recognize that meat because he paid attention to it initially. Alternatively, and lastly, says Rashi, Lashon Aher, a different version, a different explanation to our Gemara, Mishum Mukse. The issue in this final lines of our Gemara, Rashi doesn't really flesh it out for us, is Mukse. What does Mukse mean? Well, we know many types of Mukse, but fundamentally, Mukse means I take my mind off of something, I'm not focused on it entering into the holiday, entering into Shabbat. Therefore, this final version of Rashi goes like this. The split in the Pesach Halacha from Rav Huna went as follows. If you did it yourself, you hung that meat, I can assume, even though you're very disturbed and busy and focused on your studies, but you hung the meat, you were thinking about having it on the holiday. If alternatively, and I wouldn't say this about everyone, certainly not the person who's cooking in your home, etc., etc., but you, Rav I know that you went to the butcher, I know you put down the money or whatever, asked him to bring the meat, weren't thinking about that meat entering into the holiday. They hung it for you. At no point did you actually stop, pause, and reflect and say, this meat is what we're going to eat on the holiday. I'm certain of that, Rav Huna was kind of saying to Rav Hana. So for you, there's a potential issue of muqseh. This meat, although it's kosher, according to this version, although there's no issue of tehumin, according to this version, nonetheless, there might be an issue of muqseh because you never mindfully had that as part of your as part of your yom tov food. What's that? I have to imagine. Yes, but that wouldn't be mukse over here. That's in your possession, but you were mukse da'atomimenu, but you didn't have it in mind that you're going to use it. But the person who owned it had it in mind when you buy it. In other words, you didn't. You weren't, I mean, we're going to really flesh this out in the next sugya. you weren't you didn't push it out of your mind over here. You own the meat and you have no thought of it. You have no interest in it for the holiday, so to speak. Uh, Something yes. like that. I went to the holidays and I sent to the hotel in Florida. That's why the Gemara gives us these details of, it seems clear, According to this version, Rav Hanaba Hanilae is Davra uh, Rabba, and, uh, and he's focused on his Torah. In other words, he didn't think like that. He said, oh, yeah, "Let me get to me." Yeah, he understood. Understood. The approach is difficult. The second approach is difficult because of that. No. But Prime Cut sent it to you in their packaging. Over here, there's meat, not out in the open, but for all intents and purposes, out in the open. That's Basashinit Alim Nain. You have an open package of meat and you just left it out. Another conversation why we do believe it's permitted and the Pesach Halakha is, but there was a crisis mode my father had some time ago, maybe 10 years ago here where the, the, the kibbeh and lachmabajin were, were left out on Shabbat morning and then served later on. He said, we left the shul and we left it out. There's reasons why it's permitted, but it's, it's 
happens to be a real issue. We just don't pause and reflect. Uh, you know, uh, we don't do it. If it's in your home, we don't think about it like that either because we say you have to be and you know, I left those pieces of meat. If it's got the packaging, it's different. Over here, that first approach is pretty, I mean, in my opinion, it's, it's compelling. Second approach, I understand the claim everyone's making that mukzeh, even though he didn't have it in mind, he didn't particularly take it off of his mind. And if he bought it for consumption, you have to imagine that it was on his mind, unless he didn't buy it for consumption, unless he bought it, hey, okay, I'm buying meat, I'm gonna bring it home and I'll deal with it then. And now he decides he wants something like that. Not certain. And, and, not me, but uh, if somebody delivered food to me, it's if someone delivers the meat to you before the holiday? Yeah, before the holiday or on the holiday? To your home? I'm not home. It's the same thing with meat. Is it meat or is it food or meat? No, no, it's food. It's food. It's food, yeah. And the maskana here in the Gemara, based, based on these circumstances, is that it's ragle mishe hifkidu etzlo, the person who's holding on to it. Like Rav. A major difference. If you know that that meat is in the freezer and you know where it is, and you know, because it's closed up in the freezer, it might, it might, it might. Uh, it, it'll be depend on a few other things, but it might. Again, if it's in the packaging, you're you're fine, uh, regardless. Yeah. It's two things because two different versions to what's going on in the Gemara. Because the Gemara doesn't talk. The Gemara just says, oh, it's because he was a great man and, did, and was, wasn't thinking about it. Therefore what? So Rashi's giving two. Uh, usually you'll say, Rashi said like this, Tosafot said like this. Rashi has two versions. So if you have bananas in your bowl, you're not thinking about that. For the you're talking about. No. Uh, because the bananas, we assume, are there for your consumption at any point on the holiday. That's the difficulty everyone's having with this second approach. In other words, why, why would the meat be any different? Unless the meat, unless the meat is mehusar ma'aseh, you need to now deal with it. It's not, you know. No, no. It needs, it needs it. That's what, I'm, that's what I meant by mehusar ma'aseh. Maybe it's the fact that he needs to do it. But again, Jeffrey says, if I called Seudan, he called, he called, or whoever, you know, no plug here. He called whoever, and I don't know who's the kid here, Zami, he called it, whatever, and they delivered the meat before the holiday. Uh, why were you ordering it if not to eat from it? So that's effectively what seems to be the case with it. It's, it's not going to be mukseh. It's not going to be mukseh. It's the additional detail that he's a gavra rabba, and therefore, I, I got. No, it's not a kosher issue. According to that second approach, it's a mukseh issue. Right. Completely and fully. Okay, I understood. Understood. The second, those last four year, words of Rashi are, are perplexing. No, no, correct. That's the difficulty everyone's having, unless meat is different because it's raw. And maybe he wasn't going to use it. Not, not fully. A, a point taken. With regards to Mukseh? I don't know why. Along these lines. I don't know. All right, the next Mishnah actually unequivocally deals with halachot of mukseh. There's no question here. That's the issue in this next Mishnah. Uh, the Mishnah is, uh, finishes our Masechet, and uh, appropriately so. We started the Masechet talking about mukseh, and we finish it talking about mukseh as well. So that's the Mishnah. In mashkin veshohatin et hamadbariot, 
אבל משכין ושוחטין את הבייתות. So Mishnah mentions two laws, which the Gemara quickly tells us are connected one to the other. Mashkin means to give water, to give, um, to, to give the ability to drink. And shohatin, of course, means to slaughter. It's forbidden to slaughter on Yom Tov and to give water to drink, it sounds like, as well. Madbariot, that's uh, animals which are wild, but wild to the extent that they're out in the deserts is the way it's described. And the, the reason for this is, as Rashi writes, immediately and simply, Mishum Mukseh. The issue over here is Mukseh. Those animals which are out in the deserts, and we'll have to define what that means, are out of sight and out of mind, and in turn, not allowed to use it on Yom Tov, even if it walks into your property and gives you the opportunity. But quote unquote, if it's a household animal, well, animals are generally speaking, they might be in a barn or a farm, they're not household, but it's in contrast to uh, desert, it doesn't mean per se it's in your house. You can give water and you can, or you'll give beverage, and you can slaughter them. Again, the drinking we'll have to define in the Gemara in a moment. How do you define the, the difference between these two types of animals? Elohen bayatot, what's the definition of the house animals? Halanot ba'ir, they are animals which sleep in the city. It doesn't mean that they don't graze and they don't go outside of the city, but it means that they'll come back into the city and sleep within the city, within the urban area. Madbariot, alternatively, quite simply, says the Mishnahis, halanot ba'afar. It's not that they never enter into the city, but it's defined by where do they, so to speak, uh, take up their dwelling place? Where do they sleep? Afar. Afar is the open uh, desert area outside. Says the Gemara in its initial question and, and the details of this Mishnah, lama li Ask the Gemara, why do you need to tell me in the second part of the Mishnah, and it might be by extension in the first part as well, why do you need to tell me you give water, you give it a drink, and you slaughter? I mean, the issue here is really the slaughtering. It's not about the drinking, is it? What does drinking have to do with anything? Answers the Gemara, milta agav urhe kamashma'lan. Milta means a thing, a thing, a matter. Agav urhe means by the way. Kamashma'lan means it's teaching us. The Mishnah is teaching us not a law when it says mashkin about Yom Tob, about Mukseh. It's teaching us a law about how to slaughter properly or how to make your life easiest when you slaughter. Not a halakha per se. What does that mean? Delishke in she, a person should first give, if you're interested in slaughtering an animal and skinning it, first let it drink, behemto vehadar lishhot, and only then slaughter. Again, it's according to Rashi, not for kashrut reasons, but rather mishum sircha demashcha. Sircha demashcha, Rashi says, sheteheh noha lehafshita. Two lines from the bottom, Rashi. Shunidbak yoter midai babasar. Rashi suggests that the, the drinking of the animal before the slaughtering affects means that now skinning it, it'll be more moist to the extent that the skin is not connected and tethered to the meat inside, to the flesh inside, it'll be easier to pull it off. And so the Mishnah then tells us, mashkin vishohatin, to tell you, you want to have an easy way, easy time after you slaughter it and getting the skin off, make certain that you gave a drink before. What's that? Rashba has two lishonot in the Gemara. Oh, can you give it if, if it's a bite? Certainly. 
Now, in terms of animals, generally, the Gemara and Masechet Shabbat teaches us that if mezonotan alecha, which means to say if it's your responsibility, they're your ownership, and to give them sustenance, to feed the animals, there's no issue of mukseh at all on Yom Tov and on Shabbat. You have to be doing so. It's not only permitted. Uh, what about if it's en mezonotan alecha, it's just wild animals from outside, then you can't. Uh, so, in ter- what's that? So, so in turn over here, first, no, but, but Charlie's asking about the bayatot, and so to speak, if it's, so if it's madbariot, if it's madbariot, can you give them water nonetheless? There are two uh, directions in Rashba. One direction in Rashba is absolutely. The, Gemara, the Mishnah only says it in order to contrast it to the second part where it says mashkin v'shohatin. So it says lo mashkin v'lo shohatin, but it doesn't mean you're not allowed to give them water uh, per se. Um, alternatively, Rashba suggests that since you can't slaughter them, therefore, and mezonotan alecha, therefore they're not going to be your property, and therefore you shouldn't be giving them uh, anything to drink. Ashkenazim, I think it's only Ashkenazim, have a minhag on Shabbat Shira, that's uh, Parashat Beshalach, that they give bread to the birds outside. The leftover bread on the table, they throw it to the birds because they have a tradition, I think based on a midrash, that the birds even sang the praise of God at uh, so they reward the birds on Shabbat. The poskim have and do have debates about this. Are you permitted to do so? You can't eat those birds. You're not going to eat those birds. It's not mezonotan alecha. Famously, Arucha Shulchan says it's nonetheless permitted. Baruch Hu tells us that uh, we know about him. He has mercy on all of his creatures. In turn, it's appropriate. You're not really you're just throwing the bread outside of the house. Uh, maybe it's uh, envisioned as par- partially a mitzvah. The poskim uh, rationalize it. All right, anyway, it says the Gemara onward, Tanur Rabbanan, Beraita teaches us the following, Eluhen Madbariot. Here is the definition of the desert animals, Ve'eluhen Bayatot. And here is the, ver- the, the, the definition of the household animals. Now, we already defined it in our Mishnah, this Beraita we'll tweak it, we'll have a different version. Again, our Mishnah told us it depends on where they sleep, in the city or outside of the city. Says this Mishnah, Madbariot kol shiyoseot ba-pesach v'ro'ot ba-afar v'nichnasot b'revi'ah rishona. The, uh, the, uh, the desert animals are the ones that go out around Pesach time when the weather is becoming milder and easier to bear outside of the city. They, uh, in turn, they uh, graze out in the desert and they come back into the city during the first rain season, Rashi says in Mar Heshvan, and that's the first rain season. The rabbis refer to a rain season as Revi'ah because Gemara Masechet Ta'anit and Davav says that the rain they envisioned as penetrating the ground the way a, a husband and wife might have relations. It's called Livvoa as well. That's Revi'ah Rishonah. But that's the definition of Madbariot. It's the ones that would go out then and stay out. It's not that they come in and out of the city or something of that sort. That's Madbariot. What's alternatively the Bayatot, Ve'eluhen Bayatot, the bayatot is similar to what we saw in the Mishnah. They go out of the home to graze, but they always return, even during the nice months, even after Pesach, even between Pesach and Mar Cheshvan. Rabbi Omer, Rabbi disagrees with the Hachamim in this Mishnah, and he states, Elu elu bayatotim. Both of the examples you gave 
those are the permitted animals, the ones that you could be mashkin v'shohatin, those are considered bayatot. Really, even the ones, says Rabbi, who go out of the city during Pesach time and come back later, those are also bayatot. So what's the definition of madbariot? What are the forbidden animals? He's clearly the lenient opinion here. Ela, eluhen madbariot, koshiyot v'ro'ot ba'afar, it's animals which never enter into the city. Okay, those animals are really out of sight and in turn out of mind entirely. Those are considered mukseh. What the Gemara now goes on to discuss and deal with is, is it really so that Rabbi entered into such a conversation? Rabbi here in the Mishnah, that's Rabbi Udahanasi, is de- detailing and dealing with the issues of mukseh. Seems like Rabbi maintains the issue of Mukse. Again, he's defining this is Madbariot forbidden. These are Bayatot permitted. Is Rabbi's opinion that this sort of this concept of Mukse really applicable to Shabbat and Yom Tov? Umi it le lirbi Mukse? Does Rabbi really maintain such an opinion, such a concept when it comes to the halachot of Shabbat and Yom Tov called Mukse? We'll come back to this next time, but effectively what the question and answer proves to us, and in turn the Gemara will have to deal with it with three different approaches, the question and answer proves to us that Rabbi did not seemingly have such a concept of Mukseh. We started the Masechet, Mahloke Bet Shamayim Bet we saw in turn it was Mahloke between Bishimon and Biuda, this Mukseh concept on Shabbat and Yom Tov. If Rabbi doesn't have Mukseh, how come in the Beraita he's defining the parameters of Mukseh? Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen ve'amen.